Welcome to the Hammer and Quill, a Bonhoeffer House podcast where we explore the good, the true, and the beautiful in the lives and the vocations of interesting people. This is episode two, an interview with Charles Wilson. What's up, guys? What's up, Charles? What's up? We are here in the Bonhoeffer House Worldwide Global Shedquarters, headquarters here in my shed in Radford, Virginia. And we've got Charles Wilson in the studio. And we are going to find out all about his life, all about his vocation, his his calling, what brought him to Roanoke, Virginia. But before we do, I got some shout outs. So, hey, number one, did you see Michael? I also got my co-host, Michael Whirl in here. What's up, Michael? Hey, guys. How's it going? Did you see... That we're on iTunes now? I didn't. Yeah, I, tr- I tried to find us on, on Overcast. Oh, we're there now. We are. We're there now. So if you're listening and you were wondering, uh, you know, I've got, we've got, I got my friend Reese Bazant from Australia was trying to find us on iTunes. And I was like, you got to be patient because you, here's the way it happens. When you start a podcast, you submit it to Apple. Oh, we have to be approved. And then they have to approve you. Oh. So they approve us. That makes us. sense. Yeah. Yeah. So we're on. We're on iTunes now. We're up and running. Uh, so you can check us out there, Overcast, any kind of apps like that. Podbean. I think I, that's sure. <laughs> yeah, that sounds right. That sounds right. And listen, I got to give a shout out. This is a shout out to LA Symphony. You could, do you know who LA Symphony is? Not, you guys know? Not until you okay. said, hey, check out LA Symphony. <laughs> All right. So, so LA Symphony was a, uh, it still is a kind of um, semi underground hip hop act from LA. Uh, around, I guess, late 90s, early 2000s, they made a couple of really sweet, dope albums. And they have given us the rights to use our intro music, which is King Kong, a song from their album Baloney. It's a good song. Which was independently, you know what? Here it is. And you know what they told me? I, so I told them, I said, uh, I just want to use 20 seconds. Is that cool? You know, we'll, we'll pay you. And they replied and they were like, listen, you can use it. And I doubt that our 20 second intro is going to get you much money. But if you make money, send some our way. And I was thinking, man, I'll give them a hundred percent of what we make. Yeah. Cause we ain't making anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're pretty committed, right? To not, we're not, we're not going to be no advertisements here on the hammer and quill. We're not going to do the whole brought to you by Coke zero. Well, <laughs> I'm drinking some right now. That would that would be, you know, if we well, let's if be Coke real, Zero wants to if they want to inv- if they want to advertise with us, I'll make an exception. They wouldn't, but if, but if you were to choose one that no, act, Coke that was Zero, act, no, but one on. that well, one that was actually true to your lifestyle. Yeah, is no, what I'm no, yeah. So we will highlight <laughs> things that we like and sure. things that we love, but not for money. But so. they're shout out. Yeah, just shout. They're outs. just shout outs. Recommendations. So how you guys doing, man? I'm doing well. We're hanging in over at the Whirl household. Okay. Sheltering in place. Yeah. Yeah. We've, we, you know, we had a handful of really nice days, uh, 75 degrees, sunny. Uh, so my family got out of the house. We started doing yard work, uh, making a little garden, mm. uh, mowing the lawn. So, you know, the normal, normal things of life became really life-giving i'm resisting mowing the lawn yeah because once you start it's true it's like <laughs> it's like an admission that now i'm gonna have to do this yeah. all yeah. the time yeah i cut the grass at the church and then next week it was like 
ridiculous everywhere. Yeah, just it's like shaving. Yeah, (laughs) just it comes (laughs) back stronger. Just comes back stronger. It comes back. So what's yeah? What's sheltering in place looking like for you guys, Charles? Uh, hanging out with my wife. Kids are grown, so they kind of do their own thing. Um, we've been in the house for the most part, and then probably getting out and going to the church and cutting grass there or doing stuff. So we've we've kind of been chilling. We haven't done. You know, my wife's not an outside yard work. No, now you've done you've done more than just cutting grass at the church because you're my friend on Facebook, and so I've seen that you and your wife Trina have been doing push-ups. Tell us about oh, this push-up challenge. Yes, we we accepted the day push-up. one. Looked real solid. Yeah, our realtor uh, <laughs> challenged us, and I, you know, we can't get to the gym, and so I figured, all right, we'll kill this. And I haven't done push-ups in forever. I could tell when I was watching your day two. Oh yeah, when I did when I did none, I did zero. And then yesterday, I did zero. I didn't even attempt. My wife did thirty yesterday. We okay. didn't even record it. Okay. Well, I recorded it. She has it, but we didn't post it. I said I'm going to take a day off. My oh, gotta, arms, gotta my let back, them recover. Everything is hurting. Like it's <laughs> embarrassing. Like, so you're losing the challenge. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. My so yesterday, my sister in law and brother in law posted there because I challenged them, and it's both of them eating like ice cream push pops. Yeah, thirty. Oh, they got around it. Thirty yeah. ice cream push eats. pops. Yeah, they're like, yeah, I don't know if we'll make all thirty, but we'll we'll give it a shot. <laughs> man, man, you know. Uh, here things are, things look, I, I mentioned this last time, but when you homeschool, we've been homeschooling for a couple of years. Yeah. I work right here in my study. Not a lot's changed, but I, 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 when I knew things have changed was, uh, the other day, my wife, Jenny was, she's like, Hey, is Michael coming out from Floyd this week? I said, yeah. She said, see if he can swing by and pick up a 50 pound bag of flour from the bread basket, from the bread basket. Yeah. I was like 50 pound can Michael even lift that? Oh, come on. <laughs> we about to stock up on 50. You know, she actually wants to get two. Bro, we get we get 50 pound bags of flour all the frequently. time. Oh my gosh. That's like the only way my wife buys flour. But oh. but granted she also Michael's wife Emily and... is a uh sourdough bread baking guru. She is, yeah. Because she has followers. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, as a matter of fact, your family is like a cult family with sourdough. Isn't that right? That's that's true. My because your sister in law is she's also, the original guru. She is. Yes. She she has her own bread. You know, it's 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 like it's like bread discipleship or bread family. It's like a like, like they, a middle. It's like a it's like essential oils. Yeah. <laughs> you kind of have that pyramid effect going on. Yeah. I, well, my I, I prefer to think of it as uh, know, discipleship, like more a little bit more mm. holy than the pyramid scheme. But I've does it get holier than oils? Fifty pounds of flour. Like, I don't even <laughs> know if that just, looks. Uh, like, where yeah. do you put it? Yeah, it's just a large. It's just a big old bag. sack. Yeah, you throw it over your shoulder. You know. Okay, um, man. If I had that, I could use that for working out. In fact, uh, your your wife yes is on a text thread yes I that know. I think is just called bread like all all capital letters uh, bread. And they text each other all the time, like yeah. pictures of the bread that they're making and That's right, baked goods. I, she's always taking pictures when she makes bread, but she doesn't. It's not like she's on Instagram uploading them. No, she's just she's texting, just texting her guru leader. That's right. <laughs> Look at what I've done. Are you, are you proud? Of are me? you proud of me? Are you pleased with me? <laughs> yeah. So Which she is, Jenny. If you're listening, Emily is. I'm very well, pleased too. Well I've pleased. been I've been eating so much sourdough bread lately. <laughs> We had, I mean, everything. We had sourdough popovers. I've never had a popover before. 
Wait, is that what it's called? I don't know. I know. Oh, crud. <laughs> what are you, uh, what does it look like? It just kind of like pops over. Like then, a custardy. Oh. Little bread thing. Anyway. That sounds amazing. It was good. It was good. Man, we've had sourdough chocolate chip cookies. We've had sourdough pancakes, sourdough bagels. Charles, you guys mess around with sourdough? No. I, I, <laughs> I didn't know you could make everything out of sourdough. Me neither until uh, the guru came into our life. Yeah. Yeah. You you too can learn the ways. <laughs> sour the sour ways. For a very small investment on the front end. Yeah. Uh, you can be part of this guru yeah. network as well. Yep. You get fifty pounds of flour too. Man, and what about sports? No sports. We talked a little bit about sports and uh but man, what's it like I got my cousins are trying to convince me to watch like people play Madden. Oh yeah, they are doing like some kind of esports bracket with like famous athletes or something. Yeah, I th- have you I haven't done it? You haven't watched? No. So Ben was telling me there's some rule in the NBA that if the teams don't play, that the team with the best record automatically gets deemed the champion. Yeah, and so who's that right now? I the Lakers. Oh, they Is might. It? Yeah, <laughs> it's not the Bucks. No, nah, well, from what he was telling me, it's the Lakers. Yeah, that's huh. Anyways, well. <laughs> You know, go LeBron. Yeah. Yeah, they're never going to let him live that down if he <laughs> ends a season that didn't end well. A technical championship? Mm. Is that what that would be called? Mm. Well, hey, we're here with Charles. Charles, we're here to just, we're going to pick your brain. We want to find out, you know, what this podcast is all about. This, this is only our second episode, episode two. And so we we talked last time we were here together, Michael, about how Philippians 4, 8, which says this, finally, brothers, whatever's true whatever's honorable, whatever's just, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's commendable, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. We talked about how so much of our modern kind of Western cultural moment we find ourselves in is just not good, true, and beautiful. It's malformative. It's shaping us in the wrong ways and and, uh, shaping us away from what God has intended us be in his image and, and we want to do the opposite right we want to right we want to bring interesting people on here like charles and we just want to we want to pick your brain today we want to find out how do you live your life what can we learn from you what might be some tips and tricks we can pick up what what can we just look at and just say man that's cool yeah like that's not a tr- that's not a trick to pick up that's just something to say that's beautiful that's good and so, and we want to focus maybe especially, so if you're, if you're listening and you're not sure what the Bonhoeffer house is, this is a Bonhoeffer house podcast and we're all about the hammer, the quill and the house. Yeah. And these, the, those three things, uh, they represent for the hammer represents work, yeah. right? Represents for us uh, in our particular context, apprenticeships that, uh, but, but, but what we'll, what we'll focus on here in the podcast is work, vocation, uh, how we get after what God has called us to do. Uh, the quill represents study. It represents, um, you know, the the form, the ways that we are being formed for work, for vocation, and then the and then the house represents friendship, right? yeah. life together. Yeah, for sure. And so we're gonna really we're gonna really aim in on those those three areas. And and we man, we got loads of folks in our family in the Bonhoeffer house. We got friends of the house that are just really interesting people living out what God's called them to do. And so so here we are with Charles. Yeah, and I'm I'm super excited to hear from Charles how, you know, these different things, the your your work, your vocation, how your uh study the 
the the different things that you've read or or picked up along the way and then and then your friendships and your in your community uh how those things have formed you uh in the true good and beautiful that we're talking about so so you know there's all these malformative things like Jesse just said but but amidst those there's also things that are are good and true and beautiful and and that form us in the good and true and beautiful and so I'm excited just to hear uh about your story and about how uh, God has used these these different things in your life to uh, form you. Yeah, that's right. And one of the reasons we wanted to have you on in particular, Charles, is if you're listening, here, here's what Charles is, is. You're good at a lot of things, right? Probably a lot more than we know. But but one thing that's that's been obvious to us is, man, you you just you're you're a good friend of people. You are a hustler. Like you're always you're always you're always working something. You're always uh, you know, you're, you're, you're working hard, you're networking, man, you're, we mentioned this last week, but you, you know, you could, you could be on the block or in the mayor's office in the same day. And, and, uh, and that's a, that's a particularly unique, uh, that's a unique thing that we don't see everywhere we look around. Yeah. I'm not, I, I'm, I don't naturally fall into that kind of, uh, lifestyle or, 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 or rhythm of life. Like I, when I'm, when I'm in, in my creative flow, you know, I'm not thinking about like, Oh, I can make this connection with this guy and this connection with mm. this guy and, and like bring these people together. And, uh, and, and, and we, I I've noticed, man, that seems to be right in your wheelhouse of, uh, being able to, to build friendships with people, being able to make connections with people, uh, that, that aren't, aren't phony. Uh, that aren't like advancing your, your, you know, your own cause, uh, but are genuine that you, that you really care about and enjoy, uh, all people, uh, made in the image of God, um, regardless of their, their status, regardless of where they're at in life. And so that's just admirable. Yeah. I appreciate all those. Yeah. 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 Although you can't, you can't get to the mayor's office in Floyd, right? <laughs> you know, that's a great question. Is, I think Isaac has maybe talked to. Oh, there is a mayor. I don't know. There's not a mayor. Okay. Who, what? You <laughs> don't me. ask me what it is. I don't know. You know what I learned from you last week though is you don't call beef cow, <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was just obvious. So when when you're when you're eating it, of yeah, it's beef. You know. Yeah, <laughs> I knew that. I, I just thought everybody knew that. Yeah, it's just when you. Hey, are, can you run to the store and pick up some cow for me? <laughs> Is there cow, is it is this are these meatballs made with cow? Yeah, it's or, just when you're buying the the animal itself, it somewhere along the line it it transitions from being a cow to being just a, a beef product. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Charles, introduce yourself, man. Let's jump in here. Uh uh so, you know, I collect the baseball cards growing up and I used to memorize, you know, the back of the baseball card. What would be on the back of your baseball card, Charles? Oh wow. Uh you collect baseball cards growing up? I football do. cards? I still have them. I oh. have all my basketball, baseball cards as a Phillies fan. What's um, your best card? Mike Smith. Oh, uh, yeah. Third baseman. And then it would be, uh, what's the guy from the Mets? Um, Daryl Strawberry? Daryl Strawberry. I have mm. a couple of Daryl Strawberries. Uh, and I've met him. Yeah, I got his autograph. and That's awesome. Yeah, my buddy was a big fan. So, yeah, he's a believer now. Daryl Strawberry? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah. He had a rough life. Very rough transition. Yeah. He was in the, the news a lot. Yeah. Uh, towards the end and turned his life around, gave his life to the Lord. He goes around speaking to people. Uh, I don't know what would be on the back 
uh, of my baseball card. Uh, <laughs> so, I, you know, some of my own personal things that I would put on there if I got the choice, it'd definitely be, uh, you know, my marriage, my wife, my best friend that, you know, that's why the lock-in is pretty fun for me. I'm just mm. hanging out and having fun with her. Yeah, um, while she's doing push-ups. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're filming. Yeah, we, we haven't argued much, uh, which is very rare. I think we've argued more <laughs> outside of the uh, quarantine. Mm. Huh. Uh, and our kids, our kids are grown, so we don't have a lot of, you know, there's not a lot of issues there. They, you know, they spend a good time doing things themselves or with each other, and, and we do stuff together as a family. Uh, How many kids you have? Two boys, Kyrie and Charles, um, both grown, 18, 21, uh, so... They're leaders in the church, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, after them watching us do ministry for years, and then now they're part of the leadership team and leading studies. Our our twenty one year old will lead our family devotion tomorrow, and then the eighteen year old will lead it on Saturday. That's awesome. That is really cool. What did you have when you were like twelve? Yes, exactly. Which, <laughs> which how do you have a twenty one year yeah, old, bro? Which speaks to the the whole um, you're talking about, just kind of my rhythms or my patience or or relationships at forty one. Okay. I'm a lot slower uh, in life. And so I definitely want things that matter. And I want to mm. take time with people. I was always rushed and I always was living as if I was trying to get somewhere. Even in ministry, it was always mm. on my way somewhere. And so I didn't really take time with people. And at, in this season, even with this, the church plant and relocating to Roanoke with the mistakes I felt we made in Dallas, not building great relationships, uh, I really wanted to be very intentional in mm. Roanoke. And so all the way from my barber to the lady who does our dry cleaning, I really want to have a real relationship. I want her to know that I know her, that I see her, and I want her to feel like she's the only person in the world when I talk to her and that I'm not in a rush to go somewhere else. And this has definitely afforded me that. Um, sometimes in church planning, and I think it's coming out, in my opinion, with the church in general during this quarantine, is that we don't really care about people. Mm. It's mm. We're we have a show we have to put on. We're trying to get somewhere. We're trying to collect something and it's really not about people. And it just shows in our messaging. It shows in what we're communicating is at this point, we're like, all right, we need money. So here you mm. can still give your tithes here instead of how are you doing? You can go to vbcradford.com <laughs> slash give. <laughs> there yeah. you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And the world sees that, you know, I think the church sees it. And I think for me, it's like, man, are we listening to what we're saying? We're not even you know, talking about the right things right mm. now. So, yeah, I think at 41, I've kind of been, because I've gone through a few things, I'm kind of like at a place now where I do want to take real time, go slow, build real relationships. Um, yeah. Yeah, good. So t- talk a little bit more about that. So uh, give us, give us a, a, you know, a picture of how did you know you were called to plant a church um, and what brought you to Roanoke? So yeah, go back as far as you want to go. Talk, talk about that, son. How, how'd you get here? Yeah, I, I would just to jump in before you, uh, before you share. I'd I'd love, uh, you know, it sounded like as you were sharing that, um, that there was a little bit of learning through failure. Uh, you you know you were mentioning that in in Texas there was a, uh, maybe a lack of of relational uh, depth or 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 maybe a lack of concern for, uh, you know, the people that you were caring for. So I'd, I'd love to hear, even as you share your story, uh, a little bit about mm. how did that shape you, um, that, that experience? Yeah. So we born and raised South Jersey, um, whole life was part of a church plant, uh, a few years before we relocated, maybe three years before we relocated. It was in ministry at a church plant that was in an urban challenging context, started school there, 
at a Philadelphia Biblical University, which is now uh, Karen University. One of my professors encouraged me to continue my education. He said I reminded him of a, a young Tony Evans. He had went to school with him back in the day. And, That's pretty good. And pretty that good did, compliment. Well, yeah. at the time, I didn't even know who Tony Evans was. Uh, and okay. so I said, oh, great, uh, whatever. <laughs> um, and so the uh, pastor from the area uh, that my parents and I grew up in moved out to Dallas. He went to DTS. He was part of the SBC uh, church planning um, initiatives there. And so he needed a youth pastor, invited me to come out. I felt called to ministry. I wanted to do ministry full-time. I was working a full-time job, doing classes there. and But I did not have any background in ministry at all. It was my first time just getting in organized ministry and um, church. You know, most of the pastors where I'm from, not most, all of the pastors where I'm from were not, had no seminary training. And so I was, even in my circle, I was the first one, even hmm. before my pastor, to go to seminary. And he decided to come along when I went. And it was amazing. Um I was blown away um, just by just sitting in the classroom and going, oh, my gosh, there's actually rules to this. Like there's, you know, there's things that someone has actually put down and we're not just making it up as mm. we go, which seemed to be what I felt was happening in church. And so relocated to Dallas. Things didn't go well with the relocation. I really didn't have a great plan, left a great job and got there. I was in South Dallas at the time. A uh, very, very tough neighborhood where they filmed First 48. My first day there, we had to go to the impound to get the church van because someone stole the van and took the seats <laughs> out. And so me, the pastor, and my boys were uh, at the police station getting the van back. And I'm like, all right, this is what I, I moved here for. And we came out of a tough situation also. My, um, South Jersey. Yeah, my, my wife would teach the kids, and she'd pick them up for different programs. And one day there was like a shootout on the opposite side of the street from where she was picking up kids. And so we had came out of a tough context, so it wasn't that much worse except, you know, Dallas is a lot bigger. Bigger. Than, yeah, where we we're from. Uh, and so being there for two years, the church wasn't able to uh, – give us a salary, which was part of the reason we went there. And so it was a, it was a tough two years. Mm. Uh, but in that time, in that challenging time, it, I, I realized I was really called to do what to do ministry. Um, everything went wrong in a sense, but I really felt it was there. I was reassured that this is what I was called to do. Then I got hired at a large church, North Dallas Community Bible Fellowship, which is on the north side of town, the complete opposite of South mm. Dallas. Uh, middle upper class African American church on its way to almost five thousand members. I was completely, you know, I felt as though I didn't qualify to work there. Um, still working on my undergrad. The children's ministries assistant director had a master's from DTS. I mean, it was a highly educated church, and the the guy who hired me said, you know, what you've done in the last two years in ministry speaks more volumes than most kids coming out of seminary. And so you're definitely my guy. Mm -hmm. And so they brought me on staff there. We, uh, it was great, great time in ministry. I'd always worked in smaller churches being there, um, having amazing leaders, which is one of the key things I learned from the church plant we had in the urban context. There was, there wasn't really a lot of leaders to find, to help do ministry. And so we were trying to figure things out along the way in Dallas at the other church on the North side, um, I had about 300 volunteers in ministry, and these Gosh. are these are all high <laughs> okay. high capacity leaders. Yeah. Everybody in our youth ministry um, could probably run a church. I mean, they were they, doctors, lawyers, the whole nine, um, and they knew how to disciple young people. Uh, I had 12 people part time staff. I had four people under me in full time staff. Um, so it was it was definitely I had resources. We had everything, but I realized in towards the end, the last few years there. I struggled with um, 
the church not being comfortable reaching our direct community. Mm-hmm. So when we started talking about instead of doing our usual VBS program where we spent thousands of dollars, um, I said, look, let's take our program right into the middle of the community. And our kids know the Lord. Our kids are discipled. They're, you know, their parents love Jesus. They've been in this church since they were in the nursery. Let's take that and go out as families and serve our community, um, which is less than a mile away from us where poverty and everything is pretty high. The church pushed back and said, you know, why would, why, why are we going out there? You know, um, do you love our kids? Why would you want to go out there and huh. do those things? Uh, what about our kids? What are they going to get? And my, some of my responses back was, well, our kids love Jesus. You know, they're, you know, but we're in a community where people don't know the Lord. And listening to that, that wrestle really rubbed me. And I'm thinking, I think we're doing something wrong. Uh, ministry seems to be about catering to a group instead mm-hmm. of us getting outside and doing serving and um, being the hands and feet of Jesus in our community. Do you feel like, do you feel like that? So, so what you just shared there, I, I hear pretty often when I'm talking with, uh, with people called feel that feel called a church planting, that there's a sense of, um, discontent with just the status quo, right? That the, the, maybe the, the church's focus on, uh, building what's already in place, kind of strengthening the institution of that particular church. You know, oftentimes it, it you know, someone's in there going, no, but what about them out there? Shouldn't we be going out there? And, and that, do you think that that, do you find in your experience that that's part of the call to church planting? One of the cool things that I've learned in this journey, uh, listening to a billion podcasts on church planting <laughs> is that, uh, and what I've done personally is I've just kind of picked apart some of the best things because I hate when guys go, yes, this is what you do and this is how it happens. And this is what should happen from it. I would say yes and no. You know, for me, it, th- there was a little bit of that there. I as- I assumed the whole time I was going to go and probably take over a church and decline. And this is the reason. The church I was a part of that was a church plant. It was very hard to do ministry. No leaders. I'm a part of an organized church where I have a retirement plan and I have health insurance. This well, that is sounds, obviously that sounds nice. Right. This is obviously the better way to go. I have a staff of people. Yeah. We're reaching and baptizing so many young people. They're being discipled. Um, this is way better than that. And that's really out of my personal really comfort. It's just more comfortable doing that. Yeah. So when we were dropped, we were taking our son to Liberty in 2016. Um, we were listening to a podcast, Mark Driscoll, Matt Chandler was talking about church planning versus revitalization. And me and my wife, as we were going through Arkansas, listening to this podcast, we laughed because we were a part of a church plan. We're like, that's too hard. That's Mm. challenging and difficult. Taking over a church that's in decline uh, would be far better. And I actually interviewed for a church in um, Minnesota or somewhere. It was like a 5,000 member church that they were considering bringing us on. And I was like, yeah, that would be the dream. And it was on our trip to take him to school where God kind of changed everything and gave us a heart to church plant. And wow. And we were completely opposed to church planting. Yeah. Talk more about that. So you, you listen to this podcast, you're, you're laughing about how no church planting. And then by the time you're back home, you've decided to plant the church. So, yeah. So we're listening to the podcast. We're laughing. Um, we didn't really give it much thought. We were at a place where we, we're very sure that it was almost time for a transition. Time to move on. Yeah, we right. knew that was coming. Uh, we weren't sure what it was. I was hoping it would be taking over a church, dropping him off. Um, and the story is we dropped him off in uh, at, at Liberty. We That's cried. In Lynchburg. Yep. Uh, never been that part of uh, Virginia before. From being from the Northeast, we've only been to Virginia Beach and 
um, Bush Gardens. And so that's, okay. that's all <laughs> that's all we know about Virginia. Southwest Virginia had no idea what that was. So dropping so it's him off. It's a little bit different. It's, yeah. it's a lot of it different, but <laughs> dropping him off at uh, Lynchburg. We were on our way back. My wife's a Jersey girl. She wanted ice cream. And I said, well, I don't know anything down here, so you're going to have to look it up on the map. She fell asleep. And I said, great. I'm going to get to Tennessee before she wakes up talking about <laughs> ice cream again. And like 45 minutes later, she wakes up talking about ice cream. I said, pull it up on the, uh, on the phone. She pulls up a place called Brewster's, which is over by Holland's over in the uh, okay. north side. Of, north Roanoke. Yeah, the north side of Roanoke. So we pull up there. She's in line. I remember when I realized we were in the city of Roanoke, I remembered I'd met a group of people uh, out at KAA maybe four years prior to this. And I'm like, oh, I know somebody from Roanoke. And so I sent the guy a message and said, hey, I'm, you know, I'm in your town getting ice cream. And he's like, man, there's a better spot in Roanoke if you have time. And so I, I called my wife. She was still in line. I called her back. And uh, he said, yeah, there's a place over here called Hits. Uh, it's, it's a homemade kind of mom and pop spot. And so we jumped in the car. We're not in a rush. We felt horrible. We just dropped off you know, mm. one of our kids at school. You got to get that good ice cream yeah. after you drop your kid off at school. Yeah. <laughs> we weren't in a rush back. It was just kind of like, whatever, we'll go get ice cream. And so we went over there and there was a, an old guy in the back turning chocolate. <laughs> it was like, and it, it was, it was the most old school, slow pace. There was a little stream, the greenways right next to the ice cream spot today. It, it's called blue cow. Yeah. Um, blue cow. Yeah. Okay. Back then it was just a little mom and pop spot. And so enjoying the ice cream and it was like, man, this is beautiful. Like this is just a small, quiet little space. We went up from there to the star and overlooked the whole city. And that was the moment the Lord began working on our hearts. We didn't, we didn't say anything to each other, but later we said, yeah, that was the moment there. And he started sharing some of the, um, the stats on just churches in decline, what's happening in the city and our heart, you know, I know for me, my heart just started rising. Um, but I, I knew from my transition to Dallas, and this is kind of one of those things being 40, I wish I knew at 30, we moved there when I was 30 and it was more of me encouraging my wife that this is what God is saying for us to do. And those first two years were hard. I mean, horrible would be better to describe it. Mm. We, we went from, you know, tremendous, great income, um, to now serving at a church, they're not paying me what they promised. They promised me a salary, but they couldn't afford my salary. But we stuck in there with them, grew the youth ministry to about 60 students, um, amazing program. Things are going great. They're still not paying me, but they're paying the drummer. I hope you guys hear this. They're paying the drummer who, <laughs> you know, isn't making disciples. And then the guy, the youth guy's getting nothing. And, um, and so we struggled financially for two years in the midst Gosh. of that context. Um, but I still said, well, and I started taking classes again to finish my undergrad in the midst of that. I'm working at FedEx. I'm working at a copy repair place. I'm doing whatever I can, uh, the boys and girls club I'm, I'm grinding. And so I learned in that though, because it was so hard and some of the questions you would naturally ask, well, did God really lead us in this? That when we made our next move, I was going to make sure for what, without a shadow of a doubt, my wife was convinced God was calling us to do mm. it. So two years before we moved, I felt it was time for us to get ready to move, but I didn't tell her. Um, I wanted to make sure she says, yes, this is exactly what the move is. And so, and she knew, and she, she looks back and she goes, yeah, you, you were convinced two years early and you waited for me. But now with the Roanoke move, there's no question. So even if it gets hard for us, it doesn't matter. She's completely convinced God has called us, you know, to be here. Yeah. So can I, can I backtrack you? Yeah. What, Tell me, tell me what helped you to persevere in those, in those two years where you're, you're working hard, 
you're making disciples, you're doing boys and girls club, you're not getting paid. But the drummer is. But the drummer is. Yeah. What, what, you know, what kept the fire lit in you? What, what helped you to persevere through that time and stick with the the people and, and the church and your calling? A couple of things. One, the first thing that comes to mind is really just the little breadcrumbs the Lord would give. Uh-huh. Uh, I remember a day where, you know, we had zero uh, in the bank. I think we overextended our debit card, you know, to get gas. And um, I went to teach Bible study. It was amazing. The kids were like getting it. I know they're growing. I'm driving home almost on E um, in tears stopping at a light, like, Lord, I made a mistake. And then I'd get a phone call from someone. You know, I remember this day specifically, my father-in-law called, he asked how everything was going. And I said, you know, you know, and probably a squeaky voice, fine. Everything's, you know, okay. Um, and yeah. he's like, uh, and I remember this day specifically, I know exactly where I was sitting on the service road. And he says, you know, I can, I, I can feel like something's probably not going well. I'm going to send you a thousand dollars. And so it, it was probably those little things in between that yeah. kept me in the game when I definitely, uh, and then also there was no, you know, I had a great job at the electric company, but there was no opportunity for me to go back. If there was an opportunity, if the job opened back up and they were like, Hey, you can come back. I was making like, I don't know, close to a hundred thousand dollars a year there. If they would have said, yes, you can come back here and work. I'd have, I'd have been gone, but that <laughs> the opportunity wasn't there. Mm. Um, and so between ministry going great, growing kids coming to know the Lord, the program going great. And then the Lord just providing little, little small things to keep us in yeah. would be the things that helped really uh, keep us there. And that, and even in that mess that it was definitely, so there was other blessings in that. So um, we didn't have friends or family there. We, we have, we had no relatives there. So our family grew closer during that time. Um, one mm. of the things that I really didn't like about our life in Jersey before we moved was it was a very fast paced life. I was in school, I was working, my wife was helping in ministry, she was working, and our kids, I, I remember treating them like a package deal. They're three years apart, and so we'd kind of buy them the same clothes, and they'd match most of the time. I'd throw them in the back of the car, we'd go places. When we moved to Dallas, and life was kind of like this quarantine, where we didn't have anyone, I learned their personalities diff- mm. separately. Mm. They're two completely different people. We laughed, and we went to the park, and we did things for free because we were poor. We played board games, and I wanted that. And I asked the Lord for that, but he gave it to me in a way that I didn't want it to be given to me. Yeah. It was one yeah, of those yeah. he made me lie down yeah. and really enjoy my family. I would say those were the best times in my marriage because we just grew so much closer. Mm. Best time just with my kids being 10 and 7 that are, you know, it, it just was such a great blessing um, being confined in, in that craziness. That's good. That's good, man. So, Okay. Answer this question for us, Charles. Uh, you know, so part part of the part of what I want to get at here is there's there's a bit of a movement in the Christian world right now um, to push against the idea of hustle, as if hustle is a bad word. I want I want to reclaim hustle as a good word. <laughs> it's a good word, right? Like some people, as a matter of fact, I tell the story sometimes. Some people like some people don't make the team unless they hustle. Like uh, when, when Brett Johnson, my, my, my best friend and our co-pastor, well, lead pastor, let's be honest, lead yeah. pastor of Valley Bible Church, uh, he tried out for basketball, JV basketball team, and the coach sat him down and said, Brett, I'm going to be honest with you. You're not very good. But you hustle really hard, and I like that. So you're going to be on the team. You're not going to play unless I need you to get in there and foul somebody. And Brett was like, <laughs> yeah. all right, 
that's exactly what I've been, I've been preparing for. <laughs> I can do that. I can do that. You know, hustle, hustle can be a really good thing. So, so what I'd love for you to answer is how is it that you, you hustle as a church planter in his early forties without going to the, the place of hurry or, uh, you know, without, without being overly busy, how do you hustle while still without burning out? That's a good question. I don't know. <laughs> Great. We'll move on. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just do it. Yeah. So I would, so my thought on that is I think you always have to be sensitive and aware that there are things happening and you definitely need to be plugged in. Um, it's kind of like watching a stream and, and fish. You just gotta, um, there's a lot going on, a lot you could be into and you do have to pick your, all right, this is something that actually is going in my direction that I can do well or is beneficial for me and I should be doing it. I try to stay very aware of what's going on, what's happening and what could actually benefit us. Um, what, what, what do you do? How do you do that? Like, tell us, get, give us a behind the, you know, I know this is sometimes hard to like, cause you're, you're, you're trying to see what actually you see through, but show us, sh- show us uh, what that looks like for you. How do you, how do you see it and decide, no, nah, this is something I need to do. This is something I don't. Yeah. How do you keep tabs on, you know, a handful of different things without, without having to dive in on, on each one? Yes. These are good questions. I should be writing this stuff down as I'm doing it. <laughs> Go listen to it. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> so, so in the beginning, I didn't have a plan. We didn't have a network. We didn't have an organization. We weren't planning with a denomination and we just felt, all right, we're going to plant this church. We're, we're feeling called to plant this church. And um, we always have been around good people who would advise us and say different things. And so one of our great friends, one of the pastors on staff would give me some information, but it wasn't a lot of great church plant stuff. And so from that point, when he shared that with me, I got exposed that there's this whole world of church planting stuff. And it was probably stepping into that and then listening to other guys who were hustling like crazy. But part of being you know, around 41, I, I realized, all right, I wanted stuff. We need money. We need help. We need support. But I also, I don't want to sell out the vision. And the more God began to give us the vision and clarify that, the more I could now see, all right, this may be for me or this may not be for me. And so part of this is people do come at me sometimes and call me and say, hey, this may fit you or this may fit what you're going or what you're doing. Um, a lot of times it doesn't. A lot of times people are like bringing stuff our way that I'm like, that may not. When's the, when's the last time you said no to something? Uh, um, man, I, I, so I, ch- you, one of the networks that was reaching out to us and really trying to get us to come in. One of the churches that support us is part of this network. They helped create it. Mm. They came after us. I said, well, I kind of measured out all the benefits and what the requirements were, but they weren't pretty clear on what all of the requirements would be. And I think they do that on purpose because they want you in and then they want you to stay in it. And so I said, all right, I'll agree to dance with you for a few months to make sure this fits for us. And after a few months, I realized this just isn't going to work. And so I told them, no, I was like, all right, it's not me. It's you. Uh, I tried to to break up with them and then they came after me pretty hard. Like, well, you know, and I said, well, it's just not, you know, I don't feel bad about it. One, I'm just not that into you. Right. I'm just not (laughs) that into you guys. But for, for me, it's like, I also have, it's, it's the benefit, the strings that come attached with the benefit is really what I have to look at and what, you know, I feel there's a little bit of unique stuff that the Lord's calling us to do that, that would slow me down a little bit. And then the compromise would be a little too much. Um, but a lot of it is usually guys will send my way. I listen to so many podcasts. So if I hear of something that kind of fits, um, then I'll, I'll go after it. 
Um, and a lot of this I'm learning as I'm going. So even the whole hustle thing and all the, all the resources and stuff is something that I really had no playbook on. Our church was not into church planning. We planted one church uh, from the church I was at in Dallas, and it was really just sending a bunch of money and a bunch of people a few miles away, and that's church planning. Yeah. There wasn't a lot yeah. of strategy. They paid his salary. And so when I was leaving, there was really no sense of, all right, it's kind of like goodbye. Uh, and so um, even in my context as an African-American church planner, there really wasn't a lot of conversation my entire life on church planning. Most people I know when I talk about church planning, they're like, what? What do you mean? Where's your building and things right. like that? And so for me, it was kind of like, all right, let me, I, I have to be able to communicate this to the, you also um, that I'm raising support, which is a brand new thing for many of them. Uh, and so for the hustle part, I would say you should, your antenna should always be up. You should always be paying attention. You should always be, you know, looking and, and, and listening to what's going on, um, asking, you know, questions, but also making sure at the same time, because I think you can get lost in the hustle because you can be so much about the hustle where it becomes a little slimy and sleazy for me, where it's like, I don't want to be like wide open for everything and anything. Mm. And so I try to be selective. And I think that would be kind of the difference. Some people get into the hustle mode and it's almost like you'll take anything that's out there. Yeah. And, and there's a lot out there. There's a lot of resources, a lot of networks, a lot of different organizations that would love to support you and even churches. And you, you got to be able to, to kind of sift through that. Um, but it, I, the number one thing I would say is always be alert and try to stay in places where conversations about resources or different things is, is happening. Yeah. So you got your, you, you kind of have your antenna up, but then it sounds like you're also bringing that back to, uh, to the vision. Like, does this, are the strings attached to this going to lead me away uh, or not? And if not, and I have time. Yeah. yeah. And everything I would say, it does cost you something like every, yeah. you know, that you're in a sense, accountable or um, people feel as though they own you in some way or you're, you know, you, if they call you to do something, you know, you got to show up. Yeah. Especially if they're giving you money, like you yeah. just can't say no. Um, yeah, that's right. All right. I got a couple of rapid fire questions. Awesome. And then we'll come back around. So uh, who wins the Super Bowl first? Eagles or Redskins? Eagles. Michael counterpoint. Do I have to pick between Eagles and Redskins? <laughs> Whoa. You know. The Bears. Uh, you know, the Eagles. Oh, my gosh. The Redskins. Are you really going to go with the Redskins? Yes, the Redskins. The Redskins Why? are are just because. really poorly owned. <laughs> okay. The Eagles okay. have won a Super Bowl in, in recent history. Yeah, that's true. They've won one. Okay, moving on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. What is something under $100? That you think every church planter should own, is there anything? That's a that's a fascinating question. Wow, I mean, this could be super cheap. This could, you know, like nice pair of headphones. Get your work done in in Roasters next door. Yeah, that's a good question. Under a hundred. Under a hundred dollars. Uh, um, I have this new. This, uh, not a journal, but it's kind of, it's about 40, 50 bucks. It's a, uh, it kind of organizes my life. I think it'd be a great, like a bullet journal or something. Yeah. It's, it's a little more than that. It's like a Michael Hyatt thing. Um, simple life or something. I'll, I'll pull it up. We'll try know. to find it, put in the show notes. He's still got 50 bucks, 50 or 60 bucks. You could give him another thing. Well, you just get the journal and then buy a bunch of coffee or something. That's true. Okay. So that's helping you organize your life. That's good. That's good. So 
you know, $100 is kind of tricky, isn't it? Yeah. Because if I said 300 or 200 you could go... An Apple product. Apple yeah. Air, AirPods, an Apple Watch, but you can't do that with $100. Yeah. And the, the AirPods or the headphones are not helpful because in the coffee shop, you need to be alert to have conversations. Mm. And so uh, you can't be... Um, see, that's a hustle thing that's right true. there. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. That's a network thing. Yeah. Tips Because I just put them in. Sometimes, sometimes I I dream about what it would be like to wear these big, huge ones and have the AirPods underneath it, <laughs> just to have double barriers from yeah. anyone talking to me. Yeah. With it, well, with the new ones, you can actually hear people have them. Oh, off, the pass through, and it actually amplifies what they're saying, so you can hear them better. No way. Yeah. So it's if like, you got if you got like three hundred dollars, get the new ones. Yeah. Oh, Otherwise, absolutely. get the. I wouldn't the buy it. That's like spy it. gadget. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Huh. Good, good. What's the worst advice you regularly hear given to church planters or pastors? You don't have to call anybody out, by the way. <laughs> Maybe please don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, this one pastor let me, let me name in him. Radford. <laughs> oh, man. This is the worst advice. What are you, you guys shoot some stuff out. Oh, you, but I'm asking the questions. <laughs> How the turntables. <laughs> if you don't know any, that's fine. We'll move on. I get so much bad advice. It's Name something. What's some bad advice you get for church planters? Man. How about, how about advertising? Promotion? You don't want to touch that. All right, let's you move gotta on. do your music like this. You gotta, yeah, prom- I've, I've promote had, like I've this. I've definitely had that. Like, you know, s- someone came and they're like, I expected this. It was almost like you should do it this way. Mm. Uh, yeah. And that's from like a, a regional type guy. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, but we're not saying names. Yeah. Or you should like move your location or like stuff that, you know, they think is very good, helpful advice because they assume you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. And haven't really thought through or talked to you about you know, what you're doing, why you're doing it, what some of your goals are. Um, so that's always funny. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's good. So you get a lot of, a lot of outside opinions about the things that other people haven't actually thought much about, right? Yeah. Like they don't know North Roanoke. They don't know you. They don't know your context, but they're saying you should do music your, a different your vision, way. Your, yeah. yeah. Good, good. All right. How do you get unstuck? So what, what are some tricks you use to break through when you, when you feel stuck? Now I'm, I'm open to anything here. Like if you, if you want to, Think about this in terms of you're preparing a sermon. Uh, or if you want to think about this more in terms of uh, just everyday life. I'm good at getting up and leaving whatever I'm doing alone and cutting grass or doing something else. I find that to be far more refreshing. Actually, like even right now we're working on the building. That is funner <laughs> than anything else that I'm doing. With yeah, you're, on, you're in that yeah. building yeah. up in... Uh... Yeah, anything. That any I like hands-on talking to people. All the other stuff that gets me stuck. Um, I'm very, I can easily get up and walk away from whatever I'm working on and then get back to it and be better at it because yeah. I got away. Mm. Um, that's, yeah, I always tell people to do that. You get stuck, leave it alone and stop worrying about it. Walk away. Yeah. Just dip. That's walk away. Advice. That's good advice. I have a hard time walking away. I feel like you get more stuck. Like if you stay there, yeah, it's no, worse. But then if you I, but lower. if I stay long, if I stay longer, <laughs> I'll get out. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I think. <laughs> I, I don't and I and I go back and go wow it's this, like a it's like when a fly struggles in the fly in the in the hanging fly trap yeah and they just get more stuck just flap harder that's that's exactly <laughs> what I think I think if I just flap harder I will get out of this yeah 
It is it is a wiring thing. Uh, I could see Brett not getting stuck long. Like he'd invite doing something else. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's a soft. Sometimes name. I have to just take. I just have intentionally that, have to take a pass. I saw the sanctification. Yeah. Right yeah. What what advice do you have for church planters regarding their family life? Yeah, yeah. This is a great, I would love to hear Charles talk about this. Even as you've shared throughout the podcast, there've, you know, you you have implied uh and and even more than implied, you've you've directly stated how important your relationship with your wife is uh and then and then talked about how, you know, that season where your kids were 7 and 10 was such a sweet time of you getting to learn them and know them. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I would love to hear, uh, how you have, uh, what, yeah, what advice you have for, for keeping your wife a priority, keeping your, your kids a priority. Great question. So this is one of those areas where I think it's tough because people are in different seasons with their families. When my family was younger, I would say everything looked different in ministry. I was a youth pastor. I was, you know, um, a, a very visible leader at a church. Our kids were younger. Uh, things looked a lot different and my wife didn't really have much of a role in ministry really than just being a wife that helped me with the kids really now over the last man seven years um, we invested a lot of energy in what God had called me to do and as the kids began to get older we turned from there to start working on what God had called her to do and so in the last Mm. seven years we spent a lot of energy on her unique giftedness. Um, she, what, what are some of those things? What's so she's into graphic design. She's into, She did your perspective. That was my first. Yeah. Yeah. My she, first. A website design. Yeah. And that happened in Dallas. So when, when I got hired at the larger church, we had a little more resources. The kids were older. She went back to school, killed it in school, um, and, and really grew in that area. And where now, I mean, um, well, actually, at the church I was at, she came on staff there and was the communications director on staff at that church. Okay, uh, and that's when we built, you know, the second facility. Maybe we should have Trinae on. Yeah, Is she's she, she's she the mat- so. <laughs> here's the thing: you take my family and you add any dude in the world, church planner guy, he's going to be amazing. My wife and kids are awesome. Like, I was thinking we about found, that. We figured out what yeah, the secret was. The, they're the secret sauce, okay. man. It took the whole podcast. Man. Yeah, they are. I, I was watching her yesterday. She's working on a new website, and I'm like, and I'm thinking about my son. He's the film guy. Yeah. What, you know, he went to school at Liberty to start doing that. And I'm like, you know, these guys, someone would be great without me. Uh, just pop, <laughs> you can just interchange me and them. But my marriage is the number, you know, the most important thing period to me is my, and my kids know it. They know that my wife is the most important thing in the world, that she is, she's number one and all the other small little businesses hang on because of Mm. this relationship right here. Um, You're, you're not the main, you know, you're, you're the, this is the anchor store here, me and my wife and you guys, everything else is kind of everything else that just hangs on your little novelty shop. on the side. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And, And so they know that, um, and I think people who know us know that they yeah. know that um, that we're you know we do everything together. That's very important for me, and I think everything that we do flows out of that. Uh, and the other thing is, my wife, from day one, she loves Jesus more than me. Um, I knew that when we were dating. That I, you know, I'm the novelty shop when it comes to her <laughs> and Jesus. Um, that has probably been, I for me personally as a man. Um, the best thing God could have ever given me mm. uh, is a woman who will, she will not compromise for me. I couldn't talk her out. You know, she's just, she just loves Jesus. And that, 
inspires me. It makes it humbles me. It makes me go, damn, yeah. do I love Jesus as much as my wife? Like, yeah, that is very helpful. So having a partner in ministry, even if I'm trying to cut a corner or compromise, like she's not going to let me cut a corner or compromise. My son has that same sense of just being very serious about Jesus. Mm. And um, so, yeah, I would say for that that is just number one. Give us give us one or two things that uh, we're running out of time, aren't we? Yeah, that's all right. Let's give hear us him. give us one or two things that you and Trene do to to like cultivate that that strength, cultivate that you know love and and enjoyment of one another in in your marriage. Early in, when the kids were we're little, looking for PG PG thirteen. <laughs> early in, uh, maybe <laughs> when the kids got a little older, where we could leave them alone, we were very intentional. Um, every month we would do to you know something together, um, whether you know it could be in town, but going to a hotel or going out to eat and just hanging out. Yeah. And then every quarter we would do an extended version of that. And it was actually during one of those extended versions we were going to Houston to spend the weekend, and that's when we looked at each other and said, "I think God's calling us to go to Roanoke." Mm-hmm. And so we we built that in early as the kids were getting older, so that our life wasn't centered around them because yeah. we, we know we're just feeding them so that they can leave us one day and abandon us. And so we, we need to protect us. And so that's we, my new parenting motto. Yes. They're, they're, I'm just feeding you so that you can leave me and betray me and, and, and go, you know, start now your, your boys are back, man. Your yeah. boys are right there. Yeah. They're, but they're I hear crew. you, but I hear you. They're yeah. crew, but they could go. They, they could, could go and, and they will. And they've lived God so many places that they, you know, yeah. I, you know, right now it seems like, you know, they like, serving with us. They mm. really are bought into the vision. Mm. I think they may stay, but I've kind of positioned and thought through this the whole time that they may leave us and we may be in Roanoke for the rest of our lives. And that's yeah. okay. Um, that they don't really have a home home place for us. Jersey's home for them. They've lived in Texas as long as they lived in New Jersey and now in Roanoke. And so I, I would love for them to go, you know what? God's calling us to, you know, Alaska to plant a church. And I, I think they would be untethered. So enough to be able to, mm. to listen to him and do that. That's Good. awesome. Good. And and I I, I want to highlight something I heard you say Charles uh that that young church planters or or future church planters would do well to to heed and that's the uh when you talked about how you kind of brought Trene with you to te- to Texas. Yeah. You know, this is God has given us this vision, but really it's God has given me this vision and I, and I need you to trust me. Uh and then and then the, the difference between that and I'm going to wait on the Lord so that we're going together. Like we're shoulder to shoulder in this. I'm not dragging her along. And, uh, and, and, and just as someone on the outside looking in, that's obvious when I'm looking at you and Trinae and, uh, and, and something I would say is worth young aspiring church planters to keep in mind. That's just good advice for, for anybody. Right? Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. I mean, in church planting, especially it's, it's, and that's an easy trap to fall into for a church planner because you are are trying to heed like yeah. man what's God called me to do but but like any anybody early on in in marriage yeah if if you're trying to figure out man what's God what's God doing what's God asking of me man make sure your wife's bought in that's like I, I've got this book right here uh Darren Patrick's book church planter the man the message the mission which is a it's a good book but whoever did the cover man it's like this lonely yeah. dude with a sickle out in the field, like <laughs> oh. all alone. Yeah. But like for you, Charles, it's like you and Trinae there. And this is a little bit brighter. And 
and that and now you're, you're not cutting anybody down <laughs> maybe i mean it like depends. the grim reaper here yeah, all yeah. alone i stay strapped with a knife though <laughs> when i'm on the block um that would probably be the image that you hear a lot in church yeah. planning though is god's giving you this vision god has called you almost as if they're saying don't listen to other people yeah um but you know at 30 i really was thinking a lot differently it was it was the long ranger god has called me now, you know, the, like I said, the greatest gift is the fact that, you know, he's like, she's a part of this, that she's, you know, um, if you're going to have that team thing, don't bully her or push her into buying in like, girl, we got to go. And God's calling us to this place. Mm-hmm. And so she's got to be the good Christian woman that doesn't push back or ask hard questions or, you know, because your ego is so weak that you, you know, she can't speak into mm-hmm. it because she doesn't want to be this wife. Snap, yeah, preach. that's. You know, and a lot of, and you want to like hold this, the Bible over her and say something weird instead of just listening. Yeah. And if, and the funny thing is if you haven't convinced her or if she isn't bought in, you're, how are you going to get someone else mm. in? Like if you, the people that you get in with you, um, would it be questionable if you can't get the closest person to you to be all the way in on this vision? We need a, um, we need a clapping sound. We need it. We need a, uh, snap, a snap, some kind <sighs> Yep. I got to figure out how to use those. Next on the go- on uh, on on the hammer and quill, we will have sound effects. <laughs> we will have cheering, and That's we good. need forty five more minutes, man, and booze and stuff. <laughs> We're gonna edit that out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Last question, Charles. Now, you know, instead of 45 minutes, what we're going to more minutes, what we're going to do is we're going to have them on again. Yeah. Right. We just, we just, we just run it back. Yeah. Next last, week again. No, no, not next, not next <laughs> week. Messing. I'm sorry. Uh, last question. Last question. What's one thing that you would say to someone considering visiting the Hill Church? I would say what, I, what I've learned, we launched last Easter and we're coming up on a year. And one of the things that I've learned going through this is that if I don't share the vision of what we're doing regularly, people miss what we're doing and we're, we're not doing like church as usual. Uh, but there's actually a little bit more to it. And when I shared, we had what I called a vision Sunday in the first week of February. And it was so helpful because people are coming in. They're not really getting, you know, the worship, they're not really getting, you know, what we're doing, why we're doing it. But when they hear, all right, we're very intentional with our location. We're very intentional with what you see. We're very simple. Because we have a, a larger vision for the community that it isn't just building this church um, environment, but it's actually building the kingdom in a way that the rest of the community can flourish. And so uh, that's what I would say to people is if you if you're coming shopping church and this goes back kind of to my Dallas experience where everyone shopped church, we're not the best church for you. If you're looking for a small group where there's people at your stage of life with two kids and, and you're married this isn't a place where you'll get that. This is a place where you actually can help build that. And that's probably what I would say to people is if you're coming shopping, looking for these things, we, we, we don't have that. And we're, I'm pretty excited that we don't have that for you. But mm. what I do have for you is to invite you into a journey um, that is definitely going to be a gospel journey where we will be hanging on to Jesus and we will be doing things for his glory. That is very uncomfortable and everyone gets to be very equally uncomfortable here. We're not playing to, um, you know, someone's comforts at all. Good, good. Now, I want to just say, I want to add to that and say what I would say to someone considering visiting the Hill Church is you should. Just go. Check, check it, it well, out. Not, not right now, though. 
Yeah. Because right now you need to stay home. Yeah. You need to stay six feet away, just like we are right now, almost. We're we're so very close. We are we are and listen, I, I forgot to say this on the front end, but as we close down today, I want to make I want to reassure our listeners. I Clorox wiped every every inch of this. Awesome. I cleaned it. I even nice. t- I even did the microphones. Awesome. So so we're safe here. And uh and we we want to thank you, Charles, for joining us from this safe and responsible and Clorox cleaned position here in the Bonhoeffer House headquarters. I appreciate that. But I, I I didn't expect there to be anything here. I mean, you guys homeschool. You, 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 you <laughs> we've been quarantined for three years now. Yeah, you raise your own beef. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. we raise the cows. We eat yeah, the beef. That's right. Flour from, <laughs> get flour from Floyd. fifty pound bags. Yep. Okay. All right. Well, we'll have Charles back on again. And listen, when we have you back on, here's where I want to go. R- remind me of this, Michael. I want to find out more and more about North Roanoke about nonprofit work, about how it is. You know, one of the things that I'm really interested in that we want to circle back around to is the way that you work with other people doing work in the city and how it is you decide to make those connections and, and serve with them. So let's circle back around. We'll have you back. We will not have booze, but I will have Coke Zero for all of three of you guys or a full Coke. He meant, he meant, he meant. Oh, booze. Like- <laughs> I, I'm, oh. one, of my ne- one of my networks wouldn't allow me to drink oh, booze. Oh, not I don't booze drink. with a Z. I don't drink. Booze, they're doing like thumbs, with down. thumbs down. Oh, that yeah. makes so much more sense. Like cl- we're gonna have claps. That's one of those things where booze. your brain just goes where yeah. you where it goes. <laughs> That's right. right. When I hear booze, yeah. I don't think booing. That's right. Well, what we I'm won't have we won't drink. have either. I can't we drink. Won't. You can't drink, and not that that's a big deal to you. No, it's not. Nah. Thank you, Charles, for joining us, and thank you all for tuning in to the Hammer and Quill. Episode two, an interview with Charles Wilson. Now tune in next week as we interview. Oh, next week we got my friend, our friend and my co-host. In fact, he is the main host on the Gospel Underground podcast where he and I sit down most of the time. Sometimes it's just him. Sometimes he has his kids on, man. His kids episode was phenomenal a couple weeks ago. I haven't checked that out yet. I'll have to go listen. Yeah, you should listen. His kids are better co-hosts than me, but I don't want him to know that. Because I'd like to still be on his podcast. Yeah, you don't want to get fired. I stopped yeah. listening when he said he wears Skechers. So <laughs> I, was, I was out. Listen, uh, Reed Monahan will be joining us. He's he is like um, he is like a, a, a Renaissance man. He's 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 a church planter. Uh, he is he works for Acts Twenty Nine. He oversees some uh, church plant um, training training, and he with the power of change, his ministry he does. And he, he he travels the world. He is the most famous. No, he's the most he's the most famous non-famous person I know. He's underground, but everybody knows him. And we have him on, and we will be asking him all kinds of questions about family life, church planting, parenting, podcasting, all manner of interesting things. Please subscribe, review us on iTunes, throw some five stars our way. Subscribe. Until next time.